Authorization required. Captain's log. The impossible has happened. Along this journey, we'll find a way back. Enter authorization code. We might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. Our mission is to go forward. And it's just begun. There's still much to do. Still so much to learn. Security authorization accepted. Verified. Transfer complete. You're listening to an hour with the Continuing Committee with your host, Charlie Plain. Hello, podcast listeners. It's been a while, hasn't it? And uh, in spite of my hope and best efforts to continue to do this podcast on the regular, week by week, I sort of ran out of interviews. We never did get the Tribbles Regional Preview Show recorded, but that's okay. I am going to start mixing this podcast up a little bit. I like doing the interviews. I think that's great. And whenever I have the chance to interview somebody, I will absolutely do that. Um, I would still like to get Jason and Warren on to talk about The Sky's the Limit a little bit, our last Winnie expansion. But I have been listening to uh, a new podcast called Drive to Work. At least I knew it's probably 35 episodes in by this point. Drive to Work is the podcast of Mark Rosewater. If you don't know who Mark Rosewater is, he is the head designer for Magic the Gathering and has been for quite some time. He does a weekly article series about magic, talking about design. He started a podcast where basically he lives 30 minutes from his office and he records while he's driving to work talking about magic design, magic history, and whatever really strikes his fancy. So I don't drive to work, and waiting for the bus is very erratic and difficult, and you get funny looks from people as you talk to yourself uh, while you're waiting for the bus. So I thought from time to time it might be interesting if I did use this podcast as a forum for just sort of talking about the history of the game, uh, the history of the Continuing Committee, the work that I've done on the Continuing Committee, and various interesting things that are going on in the world. So I'm still going to bring you interviews with members of the community, but I'm also going to bring you uh, me talking about whatever seems interesting uh, to talk. And I have some, some interesting things I want to do about this, and I'm going to be relying on your feedback because if, you know, on average we get between 40 and 50 downloads of the podcast, um, which is pretty nice for our community our size. I mean, I'm I'm happy with that. If it goes down to 10 when I start talking, then I'll probably stop talking and just keep the show interview-based. But a number of people said that this would be interesting to them, and I'm hoping that that is true. But more importantly, what I'm going to what I'm going to want from you people out there in the community is suggestions and dialogue. So when I start talking about uh, the Jorans or whatever I'm going to talk about, I want to hear your feedback. And I haven't figured out if I'm going to do it in a forum thread or have a blog entry or just let you guys email or call and let me know what your feedback is. But your feedback is going to be important, not only on what you want to hear talked about in the future, but reactions to what I have talked about in the past. So the best way to get a hold of uh, us is continuingcommittee at gmail.com. It's spelled just like the site. Um, 
We also have a phone number. You can call us at 914-487-3522 or 914-4-TREK-CC. And that goes straight to our voicemail box, and we will pass the voicemail message to whoever is so is appropriate. So if it's a first edition question, it'll go to our brand manager. If it's a question about organized play, it can go to James. It can go wherever it needs to go. If it's a warehouse question, it can go to Dan. And if you want, you can call and leave a voicemail, and if uh, you give permission, we can put it in the show and play what you say on the show itself. So, yeah. Uh, you can always reach me personally at cplane at gmail.com or on the forums as Midnight Witch. So, with that being said, I thought a good place to start would be with our design schedule for the next year or two. And that's what we're going to talk about today, starting with first edition. State your name for the record. Leo Francis Walsh. Incorrect. Your correct name. Gentlemen, surely you're not going to take the word of a soulless mechanical device over to that of a real flesh and blood man. State your correct name for the record. Harry Mudd. Incorrect. Harcourt Fenton Mudd. So, first edition just put out, well, just, and I'm not sure when this episode is going to go up, but when I'm recording it, just put out The Sky's the Limit, which was the third set in the TNG block. And so far, the buzz has been good early. Um, Dan Madison on his podcast, Assimilate This, hosted a roundtable to talk about it. Uh, the forum buzz has been pretty positive, and I think it serves as a nice end cap for the TNG block. But we learned a lot about how block design works and what you can and can't do, and we're looking forward to applying those lessons as we move forward into block two, which is still Deep Space Nine. And I'll talk more about block two in a second, but we have another expansion coming before that, codenamed Project Viejo. So, Project Viejo is going to be known as Homefront 4. Yes, that's correct. There will be a Homefront expansion this year. Uh, a lot of people have talked about it. I've hinted about it. But yes, Homefront 4 is coming. And it's got its name because this did not start out as Homefront 4. We... One of the biggest complaints about Block uh, that has a lot of validity is the lack of mission selection. And we tried to bolster that. We did a couple more missions in, in The Sky's the Limit. In fact, when we, when we were working on The Sky's the Limit, whenever we cut a card and needed to put a card in, it was almost always a mission. Um, there will be even more missions in the next Block, but we realized that even if we put in you know a larger than high average percentage of missions in every Block expansion, there was still going to be this problem. And it was something that, that we really wanted to address. So the idea was, let's do uh, a, an expansion of all missions. Now, um, the name Project Viejo came from, there are a bunch of uh, Catholic missions throughout California, Southern California, and one of them is Mission Viejo that's near uh, it's either near my house or we drive past it all the time. And it was the first thing that popped in my head when I needed a project name. So that's where it came from, Project Viejo. Project Viejo started out, uh, it was going to be about half reprint missions. Um, we were going to do the white border missions from, I think it's Enhanced Premiere. Someone's going to yell at me for getting that wrong. And I should have looked it up, but I didn't. Um, there are missions that are only in white border. We were going to do them. We were going to do some of the harder to find missions from Deep Space Nine and uh, doing a bunch of converted missions. Well, that's how it started out. But as we were working on it and looking at our design calendar, we sort of realized that there wasn't, 
time or enough energy or manpower to do mission set and home front four. So it was sort of floated out. Why don't we just make the mission set home front four and then it will be a core expansion. It'll be missions that go everywhere forever and it'll add a bunch of new missions to all this block and the future blocks. That was a really cool idea. And so that's what we went with. So we tested a lot of missions, uh, mostly conversions. Uh, ended up with a few new ones through testing. Um, when it became Homefront 4, it sort of became, it needed to do a few different things. Homefront expansions are, are really tough. And I, I could do a whole podcast on Homefront expansions, but they have a lot of masters. And arguably the most important home master for Homefront expansions now is what does block need? I think we failed on that with Homefront 3. But you also have to make cards that are hard to find printable. You have to give things for the virtual card pool and make hard to find cards in general uh, more available for people with interesting alternative image, image options. So with that being said, uh, when we switched from this is going to be just block missions to this is a home front, we needed to diversify more. Um, testing went really well. We tested this overlapping with the sky's the limit and then overlapping with Starbuck a little bit and I'll get to that in a minute but that's uh, that's the next one after um, and we tested and we tested and we tested and we wanted to get this done really early because Johnny has let us know uh, that missions are the hardest things for him to make they take a long time because they have the full frame template and that's amazing and I really miss that when I play Tui but they take a lot of extra work to take the little Tui mission box and blow it up into something that fits on a full card frame. So we tried to get this to him um, April or May knowing that it could take him a lot longer to, to get ready. So this has been going through the works for a while and it's going through it's got, going to go through proofreading and then we'll have it ready so I'm not a hundred percent sure when it's going to come out. Traditionally, the Homefront expansions have come out at Gen Con. However, we may put it out earlier because we like to have, we have a rule about you always have to have a major event in between an expansion release and Worlds. And even though this is mostly reprints and missions, you still want to try to respect that. So it may come out before Gen Con. I honestly don't know. Um, but it's ended up being... Uh, there were some controversial cards in it, not because they were powerful or crazy, but because they were going to commit us to doing certain things that we sort of didn't want to tie the hands of future designers to. So they ended up being pulled, but they're ready to go for whenever you are ready for them. Well, we change our directions, but it's going, I think it's around 18 converted missions. So two emissions converted to one E. It's about a half a dozen reprints from Deep Space Nine block. The starter missions that are just like impossible to get uh, are reprinted. And then it's a couple of other support cards. So I think it ended up at 27 cards and that will be something to look forward to. And it's uh, mostly missions. I think there's three that aren't. So it's 24 new missions for block, um, new missions for 1E in general, and some reprints of some hard to find missions. So after that comes out and what we are mired in the midst of working on at the moment is Deep Space Nine block and the first expansion of which is Project Starbuck. Now we went with um, 
we, we had done Defense Against the Dark Arts teachers for the longest time. And uh, the sky's the limit was Snape, who's the last, you know, Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher when they actually are at Hogwarts. Um, so we were looking for a new code name, and somebody suggested, let's do uh, Battlestar Galactica stuff, and then somebody suggested, let's do Pilots. So DS9 block is Starbuck, and then Boomer, and then Apollo. So Starbuck is Deep Space Nine one, and we'll be focusing mostly on the traditional DS9 uh, Bajoran Federation, and then Cardassians. And so it will have two starters in it, and those are the two that are going to be. At least that's the plan. It's always possible that that will change. So one of the things that we did differently for this block is we planned it out better because we we kind of felt like the TNG block was a bit haphazard and we we learned some lessons that you know trying to the TNG supplemental expansion didn't reprint anything that the Romulan starter would need or that the Cardassians could use or that the Mountain board could use later and that was a big regret and we had decided early on there's going to be one there's not going to be a supplemental for each expansion there's going to be one supplemental per block if there's a supplemental at all so we were sitting down to do this nine. We were like, okay, well, we need to to plan this out better so that we can put stuff in the supplemental that will be needed in all uh, four starter decks. Especially now, since we're going to do two, one, and one in the starters. So there'll be two starters in the first one, uh, Starbuck, one starter in Boomer, and one starter in Apollo. So what we did is we put together sort of like a mega team. It's like all the people who we thought were going to be working on Starbuck and Boomer and and somebody from Apollo and said, okay, we're going to build the four starter decks now. We're going to make the new cards that we need, convert the cards that we need, figure out what reprints we need, um, figure out the shared missions, figure out the shared dilemmas, and build the four starter decks. And we're going to give those to the testers to test outside of the rest of the expansion. Just here's the starters, test them against each other, then test them against TNG, and then we'll see how it goes. And and it, that was a very good process, and I'm very glad that we did that, because not only did we figure out that one of the starters we were planning on doing wasn't going to work and had to change it, but we figured out some of the higher-level things, we figured out some power-level concerns between TNG and DS9, and most importantly, we figured out what reprints we absolutely need to have in DS9 Supplemental, if that's what we go with, um, to make sure that these starters will, will work, so that we're not scrambling to make random background guy number three and making the art guys sad like we did with engage so that went on for a while and then after we did a uh, three or four weeks of that we decided we were going to move we're going to take the rest of the expansion to tester so that's been going on for a while um i'm excited i i think that this set will be less new cards new and by new i mean you know, look look at TNG. There was TNG and TNG Supplemental. I think it was 99 and 45 or something along those lines. I think this one's going to be closer to like 70 and 60 or 70 and 50 or even 60 and 60. I don't know yet. We went with a lot of cards to testers because it, I have learned over the last few expansions that I've worked on for both 1E and 2E that you're, you're going to lose cards even if you think you won't. So um, you go with way more than you need because if you don't, you're going to end up scrambling at the last minute to fill your last two slots, and that's a lot harder than it is to make cuts as painful as those cuts might be. Because at the end, if you have 60 good cards, you cut six of them, now you've got six cards that can drop in any expansion later, hopefully, and fill holes. So that's been going well. After that will be... Oh, and uh, in case it wasn't clear, 
Starbuck team is led by myself, and it features Corbin Johnson, who's coming back from uh, Engage, and uh, Thomas Weinberg, who's also coming back from Engage and a few other expansions. So, good team. Project Boomer is coming after that, and that is being led by Dan Hammond. Um, and he's got Jason Drake, no, I'm sorry, Warren, Warren C., is coming back from the Sky's the Limit to work on that. And we have a new designer working on that one as well, but I won't spoil who that is in case uh, I haven't talked to him yet. So, and then the Apollo team is sort of, we haven't firmed up the team yet, but it will probably be a new lead. Um, one of our experienced Warney designers will step up and lead that sucker. It'll probably have Dan or myself on the team sort of as like a backup. And then I think uh, Jason Drake is gonna be on that team too from the sky's the limit, because both Jason and Warren did excellent work and deserve another bite at the apple. So uh, Boomer is tentatively going to be focused on the Maquis, and Apollo looks to be focused on the Dominion and probably another faction. Uh, I will let you speculate on who that might be, but those are both way further out than we can really talk about right now. Um, but yeah. They are coming, and it's it's looking to have Starbuck out by the end of the year, and then Boomer and Apollo in the first half or two-thirds of next year. And that will set us up for Block 3, which we are deeply getting into planning of right now. We're trying to figure out exactly where we're going to put things, uh, which starter decks are going to be in there, which they're going to fall, and we're looking at some bigger multiple block issues for, for and I'll go into this briefly um, we, we don't anticipate making a continuing mission card for all the different shows really the only ones that were never properly split up were TNG and DS9 uh, TOS has its own faction icon Voyager has its quadrant icon we don't really need to make you know a Voyager continuing mission card we can we don't need to but um, we are so, sort of looking at where we need to repeat the same cards from year to year. For example, Get It Done uh, was designed because starters were, they didn't have a way to pass Subspace Shockwave reliably, and sometimes the range boost came in handy, and then mostly they had lots of cards in hand and they needed a way to get cards back into the, their their deck. Um, well, we're, gonna, we're running into those same problems in the DS9 block, so we have the question of, okay, are we going to make a DS9 version of Get It Done? And then are we going to have these same problems next year when we do this with, you know, the mirror block or whatever? Um, so we're looking at some bigger issues about how are we going to address those problems and how similar we want the starters to be versus how different we want them to be. Because they need to stay at this base level of complexity. But that's a much more complicated issue. Suffice it to say, Viejo is coming next, followed by Starbuck, Boomer, and Apollo, which is DS9 block. Then we're going to do our promised how do you like block review with the public um, to help us plan whether or not we keep doing block style expansions moving into year four, five, and six, or we want to go back to the, the pre-block model of just making expansions about whatever. So that's what we've got coming for first edition, and let's talk about second edition. Captain James Kirk, the next orders you're taking will be given by Harcourt Fenton Mud. <laughs> so the second edition has some interesting things coming. The, the next expansion for Tui is Project Queeg, and 
Yes, that's a Red Dwarf reference, not a coincidence, since our own Red Dwarf, our director of organized play, James Hoskin, is leading this expansion. This is his first expansion lead, and I'm excited to see how it's going to turn out, because he, he, you know, it was delayed a bit. The, the, the whole matter of time got delayed because Tapestry came about. So, I mean, Quig was supposed to be out where Matter of Time came out. Matter of Time was supposed to be out where Tapestry came out. So James has been an amazing trooper. Um, his expansion was designed and ready to go, like, right when Matter of Time was, was still being tested. So he's had, you know, lots of extra time on this thing. He's been very patient, and he's been working like a just dog on the Road to Worlds stuff and working on Quig. And I have... A, commanding amount of respect for him and i'm excited to see how this expansion comes out it is doing something that we have never done before in the entire history of second edition and we'll see how that goes i, I think that there are going to be players who really don't like it uh, the theme wise but that's okay because you can't make everybody happy and i've learned that you really need to try to make uh, you cannot make a set of cards that everybody likes equally what you have to do is make sure that every card is liked by somebody a lot and if you do that then your expansion will always be a success even if it's not uh, universally adored by everyone um, if you if you don't do that if there are cards in an expansion that nobody likes then you made a mistake and you don't ever know that until it's out and you find out but that's what we do we're just trying to learn and trying to do our best especially since nobody gets paid for this <clears throat> so Quig is what I am sort of mentally considering the end of our first five-year mission. Uh, I I, I want to try something different with second edition. And I shouldn't say different. I want to try something uh, old, actually. And that's what we're going to go into in our next set of expansions. And, and for some reason, I like doing codenames in threes. It's probably my subtle magic influence because they do codenames in threes because they do three set blocks but the next three expansions after Quig, so probably the first of which would be the very end of this year is rose followed by martha followed by donna and doctor who fans will recognize those as the 10th doctor's three companions um 10th doctor and the 11th doctor are both almost my favorites i can't really decide it vacillates from day to day but those are the three that i picked for the what we're doing with Rose is trying to get to eat. There have been a lot of conversations in the community about stale play environment, and I have my own opinions on that. Uh, that's a whole podcast in and of itself. Uh, but for simplicity and diversity and consistency, uh, they want to see uh, powerful decks that have been powerful for a long time reigned in, decks that haven't been powerful brought up, and more and more simple cards, you know, not wordy cards. Sometimes you have to because of the way 2E is written, but, you know, cards simple in concepts. We've really been listening, and we tried to take that to heart with Matter of Time somewhat. Um, we're really going to embrace it with Rose, Martha, Donna. Now, brief side note, you have to get, you guys need to remember that stuff is in the works months and months and months before you see it, especially now that we have a whole new phase of the cycle, like pre-design. Uh, you know, Matter of Time was started back before Tapestry was out. So, like, if, it, if, if three weeks ago somebody starts talking about how we need to make simple cards, it's really hard for an expansion that was 
99% designed six months ago to, to deal with that. It's easier now because we don't have to go through printing and, and production and all of that stuff. Uh, but it still is. There's a lot of lag between something coming up and being able to re respond to it with new cards, which is why I'm glad we have the rules team and a good errata process and all of that in place. But uh, those conversations started, you know, five, six months ago, and then Rose Martha Donna is where we really have tried to embrace it. So why am I looking at it as our, our second five-year mission? Uh, I'm trying to use the metaphor for Star Trek, but I feel the biggest mistake we've made in the last six, seven years is giving too many similar tools to too many different affiliations. Now, don't take that quote out of context. What I mean is, I don't want the game to be everybody is the same, just different color cards. I want Bajorans to look and feel and play differently than Cardassians, than the Dominion, than TNG, than DS9, than everyone else. It, it, they need to be, these, these affiliations and sub-affiliations need to mean something, or they're just different colored cards. It's just, I bring my TNG solver deck, and you bring your Dominion solver deck, and we beat at each other. And that's how the game was when it first came out. And I know that there are people out there who really like that. Just, I solve, you solve, game's over. Uh, I don't want it to just be that again. Now, there's this pendulum where on the left side, it's pure speed solvers, and on the right side, it's giant slog fests interactions. And I definitely think that the pendulum has swung too far towards the giant slugfest interactions. This whole idea that more games are going to time and, you know, these, this, these three cards are responsible. And then as a result, we need to swing all the way back to, you know, cadet speed. I think that's an over-exaggeration, but I do think that it's true that we've come too far towards slugfests and need to come back towards speed. So that's something that we're going to try to do. That being said, I still, I think it's vitally important that the Bajorans and the Cardassians and the, the Ferengi play differently and that they play differently based on how they were in the show. And, and Tui, when it started, was really good at this. <clears throat> it was a valid criticism of first edition that there weren't a lot of differences between Bajorans and Cardassians and, and Ferengi and whomever else. Uh, and Tui did a really good job of having different cultural identities. But as the game grew and more and more expansions were released and different people came through to work on the design, I think those lines blurred and that's going to happen. But now I think it's gotten to the point where we have this mindset of we're only doing 54 cards, so we need to give somebody to everything. And if we introduce a new mechanic, we have to give it to everybody equally. And I really think that was a mistake. Um, there was a mechanic that I was trying very hard to put into an expansion. I think it was Unity. I don't remember which expansion it was. Uh, lineage. It was Lineage, sorry. I was really trying to get this mechanic into the expansion. And, and the testers were like, this is kind of interesting. But it ultimately got killed because... <clears throat> it didn't get killed. It got pushed because it just wasn't working. And that was really the first light bulb moment for me about this this problem is that I feel I realized in hindsight, one of the reasons this mechanic didn't work is because I was trying to give it to everybody. We were trying to make sure every affiliation sub affiliation had a card that did it. And one card that does a new thing isn't very exciting or interesting. 
I think that was the huge mistake. It's it's this mechanic. We should have figured out who gets this mechanic. You know, which affiliations this mechanic fits into their flavor and their mechanics, and then given each of those affiliations three or four cards about it, and that would have made it much more focused and much more interesting because then you could build you know this mechanics deck in these two or three affiliations and they would each do it differently you know for example if you take this mechanic x uh when you put it in bajorans it can have to do with the discard pile and when you put it in ferengi it can have to do with cards under ferenginar and when you put it in tng it can be everybody gets to do it and then it's the same mechanic but it's spun three different ways and that makes it three different decks and that makes it interesting and then you have interesting possibilities with combining you know the Bajoran version and the Ferengi version, the Bajoran version and the TNG version, having just really even more interactions. And I think over the last few years, we've gotten away from that and gotten to um, everybody gets something and everything is the same. You know, giving, oh, the Bajorans need this card because the Cardassians have this card and the Bajorans are bad. Well, why are the Bajorans bad? I don't think you can say the Bajorans are bad because they don't have this one mechanic. Uh, I think that's the wrong way to take it. So, this started a project that we've internally been calling the Affiliation Guide. And basically, what it was, and I've been the big champion of this, and it, it took me a while to convince anybody else that what we were doing is what is worth doing. And I've, I finally got a couple people to come around to my side. And there's still some designers who, who think that I'm wasting my time working on this, but I have nothing but time, and I think it's important. I'm hopeful that when it's all done and finished that they will buy into it. Um, so what we're trying to do is, I gotta choose the right word. I don't wanna say redefine, because that's not what we're doing. I want to <clears throat> make sure as we design cards for this second five-year mission, we are refocusing on what makes the affiliations different. Now. Because of this, you know, drift that I've talked about, it's it's pretty impossible to take all of the cards for, say, Bajorans that have been printed from Premiere through uh, Manor of Time or Project Week and say, here is the box in which all of these cards fit. Because if you do that, the box is basically 90% of the game. I think what we what 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 we're doing is we're saying, without worrying about what's been done before, here's the box where all of our future Bajorans will go. And they have this set of mechanics, and they have this mechanic more than anybody else, and they have this mechanic that they can't do, and they have these things that they're good at, and these things that they're not good at. And what that does is lets us make the affiliations moving forward feel differently. Now, that's not gonna take away all of the stuff from before that's outside of that box. And I think that's that's fine and that's good. You know, if, if, if we want to, uh, make Bajoran ground combat uh, work a slightly different way, they're still going to have the stuff that came before that uh, works the old way. For, for example, this is just an example, okay? If we decide Bajorans, <clears throat> as a reward for ground combat in Bajorans, they destroy stuff, right? That means that Just Like Old Times is still going to be out in the, in the game, and you're still going to be able to play Just Like Old Times and use it to battle and get 15 points. And that's okay. But when we're moving forward, we're going to give the Bajorans cards that are like battle to destroy stuff and battle and reinforce that 
that you can still use just like old times, but if, if, for example, we want battle to destroy stuff to be, you know, there, there is a card like that. I think it's the love for the spoonheads that when you win a battle, you can destroy an event. If we wanted to reinforce that, we could make a guy who says, uh, when you destroy an event, you can take an assault card from your discard pile and put it on the bottom of your deck. Well, you can use that and it's really good with just like a whole, just like, uh, it's really good with Nola for the spoon leads because you can keep doing it. It's not so good with just like old times because it doesn't come back. Just an example. So that's the overall project. Uh, as part of this, I sort of, this is this, this, this next three expansions, you know, the, the, the companion block, Rose, Martha, Donna, they're experiments. And I want to see, we're going to do these three. And then I want to see how they get received and how they go design wise. And that will shape how we move forward. Um, before anybody asks, this is not two E block. We're not doing two E block. Uh, I don't know if that's a good idea. It may be something that we do in the future, but this is not two E block. So just want that to be clear. What we are doing is okay. The first project rose is going to be uh, focusing on Bajor and Cardassia Prime, not to the exclusion of everything else. It's not going to be an expansion of just Bajorans and Cardassians and everybody else gets nothing. Um, it's still going to be an expansion like Lineage and like Matter of Time that has a central theme running through it. And I'm not really prepared to talk about what that central theme is, <clears throat> but um, there will be a central uh, story or mechanical theme running through the expansion, but it's also going to have new Bajoran cards and new Cardassian cards created in the spirit of this new affiliation guide, because it's easier for us to sort of redefine this affiliation guide one or two affiliations at a time and sort of let that spill out to the other ones than it is to say, okay, we're going to redefine what all 16 affiliations can do now, and then boom, you're done, you're stuck. Uh, so we started with Bajorans and Cardassians specifically because Bajorans really need some help. Cardassians arguably need some help, but we also thought it was interesting to do uh, opposites. So Bajorans and Cardassians are uh, opposites in the show, so we thought it would be interesting to pair them together. The second one, Martha, has right now Turok Nor and Deep Space Nine Earth. Again, not because either of those factions is super struggling, although I think Turok Nor is, but because they fit opposite one another. And the third expansion, again, all of this is subject to change, has Mouth of the Wormhole and Founder's Homeworld. So there's these three pairs of affiliations, at least. And of those six, I don't think any of those six are dominating. So it's not like it's bad to give them new cards. And, and the strategy change here has been, let's stop trying to punish Klingons and TNG and instead try to bolster the others. Now, this is really, you have to be very careful with this because you risk going down Power Creep Avenue to Slippery Slope Drive and making the game just not fun for anyone. But uh, I think if you give the Bajorans the tools that they need, and, and, and I'm not, so I'm setting aside sort of the Bajoran resistance. I think that was a, a misstep. I think all of the guys who worked on it think it was a misstep. It was an interesting idea. It didn't, gel together well um, but I'm talking about you know looking at Bajorans and, and the, the design team for Rose is myself uh, is, is the lead uh, Kevin Yeager he's back and Keith Morris also back. so 
three guys who've done uh, a lot of expansions and we spent a lot of time and and this is when we sort of really added pre-design because we spent months playing Bajorans and playing Cardassians and figuring out what do they need not what do we think they need but what keeps these guys from winning games and then address those weaknesses but doing it inside the affiliation guide so you know the, the one of the common people things people i'm going to call it a scapegoat but one of the things people scapegoat for bajorans is they have bad ships they don't have a four cost eight range ship like the excelsior so they're terrible well i don't think the answer is to just give them four cost universal eight range ship because that's not what they do they don't have good ships they weren't at least in, when we saw them they were not deep space explorers they were not boldly going they were just trying to keep their planet together so poor range is sort of a reflection in that now it's a big handicap in 2e and obviously it's something we need to deal with but we need to deal with it inside their culture for example one of the things that's been suggested to deal with that is more bajoran region missions because then when you have that minus two span movement your seven range is not no longer a liability it's not a bit not a problem you know, when I can, and when I can go from Bajor to my two-span space mission for two range and go back and then go to a third mission, all on my seven-range ship, that seven-range ship isn't, or even a six-range ship, isn't a bad, bad thing anymore. So that's just an example of how we can address their weaknesses inside their culture. And that's essential to me. And I, I, I think that's absolutely vital to the health of the game. I think it's going to bring the game back to a, a golden age that it hasn't had in a long time where where more affiliations are more competitive and they feel different and they feel better and that's the goal that's the hope and uh the the work that we've been doing that the early work that we've been doing on rose is it i think it's good i think uh granted i'm, I'm not impartial but i think we've done more research more homework and we're trying more and more to make things uh, player friendly player fun, which is absolutely vital, and make these affiliations matter again. Make make the actual color of your card important so that when you play Bajorans and when you play Cardassians, even if they're just speed mission solvers, there are differences in how they work. And I think that's going to make the game better and healthier and more wonderful. So with that said, Let's go to the last game that we support, and that's Tribbles. Tribbles just came out with Big Trouble Little Kronos. Outstanding pun, by the way. Um, some new powers, including one of my favorites. Dance is exceedingly fun to play. It is... Uh, I have found it to be not good in large tables. So I always try to bring two decks with me. I bring my dance deck for four to five player tables, and then I bring a different deck for bigger tables. But it, it's fun. I have uh, had a lot of fun playing it, even when it doesn't work. Um, it had new power, uh, old powers on new denominations, which I think is something that we have undervalued in the last few triple expansions. We don't have any plans to do triples more often than annually, and I think that's good because uh, as fun as triple is, as is, and as more as popular as it's getting, it's not a super competitive game. It's not a game that needs urgent, you know, quick reactions to it in the meta. It's a side, it's basically a side project for all of us. And, and Dan Hammond and Johnny Haleva more than anyone else because they do the lion's share of the work. But 
Uh, we do have Project Enchilada set up for uh, to, to come out next year, and we're always looking for groups to test new triples. So if you have a group of people who play triples semi-regularly, and you'd be willing to put in a couple uh, hours every so often to test new triples, uh, please let us know. You can contact me, or you can contact Dan, Sir Dan on the forums, and let, uh, let him know you would like to be a triples playtester. But yeah, we are continuing the plan with doing annual triples expansions. So... I talked for a lot longer than I meant to, but I've sort of just wanted to give you an overview of what's coming for 1E and what's coming for 2E, and of course what's coming for triples over the next year or so. Uh, I am currently in the midst of uh, fleshing out a five-year plan for for both 1E and 2E uh, past what we already have planned out. Um, I'm planning for multiple contingencies, so you know if if the 1E community decides we don't want to go block anymore, I have plans to do it that way. If uh, the 2E contingency community decides we want to implement some crazy set rotation or block mechanic, I have a plan for how to do that too. So we want your feedback, we want your opinions on, on where you want us to go and what you think. And uh, obviously there's a lot of speculation and a lot of uh, half information here. I, I don't like to talk about stuff before it's ready to be talked about. Uh, that's probably a holdover from Decipher's, you know, oh, here's a release date for this expansion, and then it comes and goes and nothing ever gets said. But I think it's a good policy not to say anything for sure until you know it's for sure. So I am going to keep podcasting. I'm going to try to, as I said before, keep having guests on when I can and talking to you about what's on my mind and what's important to you when I don't. So once again... Please contact me personally at Midnight Lich on the forums. Contact the Continuing Committee at continuingcommittee at gmail.com or on the phone at 914-487-3522. That's 914-4-TREK-CC. Until next time, live long and prosper.